Oh, friends. <laughs> I had a podcast all queued up for you this week about building your email list, but I certainly can't focus on that right now, and I don't want you to either, especially if you are here in the U.S. Our country is in a state of crisis where COVID-19, a literal virus at the center of a worldwide pandemic, serves as just the frame and the backdrop for an explosion of our shameful cultural virus, which is white supremacy and systemic racism. And I know that for many of us, this has gotten to a place where all of this coming in on the news has put us in a sense into a state of feeling frozen, like we don't know what to do. Case in point, I spent a long time this weekend thinking about how and even whether to show up here this week on the podcast. I didn't want to pretend for a moment like things are business as usual. They certainly are not. But nor did I want to make this episode about my feelings or my experience, which are entirely irrelevant at the moment. But ultimately, I decided that not showing up is the easy way out, isn't it? Staying quiet, staying safe, making sure we don't offend anyone. What a privilege it is to even have the choice to do that or to not do that. So I'm here and I am hoping to use my time and talents in the service of others in the hopes that you will too. This will be a short episode. It is very off the cuff um, and it may not be my most polished, but I hope that it inspires you to take action because as good as it is to go online and see a surge of inspirational quote posts on social media or walk around and see people wearing t-shirts with anti-racist slogans, I believe that as artists and small business owners, and ultimately as conscientious human beings, we have the power and the responsibility to use our time and our talents in a bigger way. And to my black and brown listeners, I sincerely apologize in advance if anything that I say on here today or at any time comes off as tone deaf or self-interested. I am doing work on myself in that regard, and I certainly do not claim to be in any way perfect, um, but I am trying my best. And if you have feedback that you feel inclined to share, I welcome it 100%. So today I want to talk about fundraising. There are many ways to show up in the support of causes that are important to you, but At the end of the day, most causes require more than platitudes and hashtags. They require money to keep moving forward. This is something that I talk about, you know, when we are running a business, like it has to be profitable. Well, even a nonprofit needs money because because the things that they are doing cost money. And whether or not you personally have money to give, as a photographer, there are a whole bunch of ways that you can raise money and a whole bunch of organizations that need that money. And so um, if you are in need of a vetted list of organizations that are doing important anti-racism work in the U.S. right now, 
I have put together a handful of those for your consideration, and that is in the show notes of this episode, which is thiscan'tbethathard.com slash podcast slash zero two one. So the first step when it comes to fundraising is sometimes the hardest step of all for people, and that is just being vocal. In order to raise money, you have to tell people that you're raising money, and you have to tell them what you're raising money for. Um, And many of us were raised to believe that politics is private and it shouldn't be part of our businesses. So we generally tend to avoid talking about politics or politically charged topics in places where our clients can see, see those opinions or read them. Well, to that, first of all, I would say that eradicating white supremacy shouldn't really be a political topic at all. But I guess right now it sadly is. And... Given that, I would then say speaking out against it can't be avoided for fear of offending or alienating a client. Um, You guys have heard me talk about Bluebird clients before. (laughs) Someone who is offended by you fundraising for Black Lives Matter or the NAACP or the Southern Poverty Law Center, those are not your Bluebird clients, period. They are snake clients. So once you've gotten your head around the idea that you are going to speak out, not just quietly among your friends, but everywhere, uh, in every place and space that you open your mouth, then you can start making a plan to use that voice to raise some money. And the awesome thing is that you can raise money whether you are like a super duper influencer, rock star photographer, or you're a brand spanking new photographer. Um, You may just need to go about doing it in different ways in order to be most successful. And remember, too, when it comes to raising money, any amount can help. And I'm going to talk a little bit more at the very end about what I think you should aim for in terms of um, your fundraising goals. But the truth of the matter is, even if you fall short of your goal, donating money in any amount is better than donating no money at all. Um, especially if you are giving whatever you're giving over a sustained period of time. You know, if you've ever listened to the NPR fundraisers and they say, you know, even if you can just give $10 a month, um, they, I have talked to many people in the nonprofit space and they talk about how important it is to have ongoing contributions. So... I'm going to talk about three main options for photographers in terms of kind of the way that you can go about fundraising. But the truth is that we have a whole lot of different skills. Um, the options are kind of limitless out there. You could you could get creative and do all kinds of things. But for the sake of simplicity and because we are photographers, I'm going to focus on these three. And again. As with many things, the decision to go with one or the other of these is really going to depend on your circumstances and your reach and all of that. So like with many things in business, the decision to go with one or another type of fundraiser is really going to depend on your situation. So if you're newer, if you're a newer photographer and you don't have a large email list, you don't have a large roster of past clients that you can reach out to. Um, and maybe you still have a pretty small following on social media, it may make more sense for you to either create a partner fundraiser or a portrait fundraiser. On the other hand, 
if you are well established, you've got a large email list, um, you've got a whole bunch of former clients, um, maybe you've got a big social media following, um, and you're ideally your pricing is already solidly profitable. Um, you are in a good position to run a successful print fundraiser. And with both of those things, depending on how well-networked in the community you are, if you have a large reach, unlike when you are soliciting work for your own business um, to profit your bank account, uh, when you are raising funds for a cause, I highly encourage you, no matter what kind of fundraiser that you are um, doing you will you will be able to amplify the amount of money that you're able to raise by using your network and using your connections and reaching out to people and asking them to share. People are generally pretty willing to share when you are offering a um, a, a good opportunity for fundraising. So, um, a partner fundraiser. Let me just be specific about what these things are. So, with a partner fundraiser, you are going to be looking for a local business or organization that is either a charitable organization or a business that is raising money um, for a cause that you want to support. So, you research a bunch of those things and then you just reach out to them one after the other. As usual, I recommend phone calls. Phone calls are going to be um, more effective than emails. You call up, you say, hi, my name is Anami Tonkin. I am um, a local photographer that, you know, and I support what you're doing and I would love to help in any way that I can. So then you tell them what skills you have and that could be photography, of course, but it could also be a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, most of us know how to build a website. We know how to, you know, work in social media. Um, We can jump into Canva and design some sort of... um, you know, brochure that they need or something like that. So whatever it is that they need, you can, if you, if you want to focus on photography, you can, but you might have some other things, um, that you can offer as well. And those services are all part of fundraising. So I, you know, eventually you're going to find somebody who's willing to put you to work. And I recognize that this can kind of blur the line between fundraising and volunteerism, but that's okay, right? You're still taking action toward a cause, and it's not about you. It's about raising that money. Um, both of those things, fundraising and volunteering, are good. Giving is giving. Now, if you decide to do a portrait fundraiser, um, and you are listening to this now in the midst of COVID, uh, you know obviously there are some implications of that. So you're going to need to think about whether you're offering um, a session or a mini session or something like that that can happen at a later date, but they pay now so that you can donate the money now. Um, You can offer something that you can safely do according to both standard social distancing rules and your local ordinances. So, um, you know, if that was like a front porch portrait or something outdoors. Um, And you're going to want to be explicit about the the safety precautions that you're taking and the plans that you're making so that people don't feel like they're having to compromise safety in order to support your fundraiser. So with portrait sessions, I, um, I recommend, so I have done several portrait fundraisers myself in the past and I don't charge as much as I normally charge for them. And the purpose is that I set them, the purpose of that is to 
ultimately bring in more money um, because I'm putting in more work. So if you if you are able and willing to just sort of hand over your fees um, and say basically like the next 10 people who hire me to shoot portraits, that money is going directly to um, whatever cause it is that you're raising money for, great. I think that that is a wonderful thing if you are able to do it. A lot of people are not able to do that right now, which I also understand. So in that case, you know, so I did a fundraiser uh, after Trump was elected that I called Portraits for Peace. And every Tuesday, because Tuesdays were not generally busy days for me, I would do studio uh, sessions for kids. And I called it Portraits for Peace. And I had like an online booking thing that people could self-book for. And they would just come in. And it was a required donation of $250 was what I did for that. And that's not as much money as I would normally charge for that. So more people than would normally hire me were able to hire me. And they felt good about the fact that that money was going to um, to a, a good cause. So again, I recommend that you price that for usually a minimum donation of maybe around half your normal rate for something along the lines of what you're offering. Um, and then you can encourage people to donate more if they're able. So I had some of my normal clients who came in for that fundraiser and they gave not just the $250, but more. Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join The Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, you can search for and subscribe to The Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscantbethathard.com slash club to sign up. And then when it comes to those things, try to set it up in a way that reduces the amount of work on your end. I'm not saying I don't want you to work hard to raise this money, um, but being efficient is good in every area of business. So, you know, if you can make that hard work stretch further, all the better. Um, what can you automate? Can you have them self-schedule? Can you make people come to you? The easier you make it on yourself, the more work you'll be able to handle and the more money that you'll ultimately be able to raise. So that's a portrait fundraiser. And then as far as print fundraising goes, um, there are kind of two distinct avenues there that can be either done individually or can be, um, you can do both. So the first would be with your past clients um, who have galleries that you can activate in your um in your in your gallery system. So let's say that you have a bunch of archived galleries, clients who worked with you three years ago or two years ago or this year even, um, you send them an email with a link to their reopened gallery and you basically give them a, a date deadline and say uh, any product ordered in the store by this date, the pr- all the proceeds from that will go to this cause. Um, you can also do things like offer 
album pre-designs or wall gallery designs um, for those people to help incentivize them to spend more. But you have to know your audience and certainly you have to be, I would not suggest that you go in and do all that work ahead of time. I would say, you know, if you're interested in ordering an album, I'm offering complimentary album designs um, or something along those lines. So that may entice them to, uh, to spend more, which is certainly a good thing. And then the other way that you can do print fundraising for people who are not your former clients is that you can sell um, photos that are not client specific, right? So they might be travel photos or they might be fine art photos that you've made or anything like that. So you send out an email to your general list, you post about it on social media, you share the images that are gonna be um, available for purchase. And I would recommend that you select somewhere in the like 10 photos or fewer range. You don't want this to become a decision-making cluster where they're not able to make a decision because you've given them too many choices. So 10 or fewer photos. Um, It doesn't really matter what the subject matter is. If you happen to have relevant subject matter, great. Um, Although, I don't know, I kind of go back and forth on that because like, I don't think that send like putting up a bunch of photos of protests is necessarily the right way to go on that. Um, I don't know. Um, you, you certainly don't want to put up photos for sale of people who you don't know and have consent to sell their images for. Um, so anyway, uh, I would just recommend that you take photos that you think have some appeal in some way and then if you're able uh it is good to be able to turn that into something that is useful now if you're known as a fine art photographer or you're known for your you know beautiful travel work or something great you may just be able to get people to spend a lot of money on prints of that work to hang in their homes but let's say that you don't have a really well established body of um travel photos or fine art photos or whatever you can take a photo of something um, very simple and turn it into a series of greeting cards that people can buy. Or um, it could be something that you take a photo and you overlay a, a quote that has something to do with the with the situation that you're running, raising money for or the organization that you're raising money for. Because the people who are spending money on your prints for the portrait fundraiser, chances are or not for the portrait, for the fundraiser, chances are they care about that um, that as well. And so having something that has a little bit more of a uh, straightforward connection can help them see th- that more clearly. Um, and anything that you can put out there that is giftable, so again, greeting cards or calendars or whatever, People like to um, spend money, well, put it this way, if if you offer something that they think, well, okay, I'll just buy this for me and that money goes to charity, they're only going to buy one. But if you offer greeting cards and they're like, I want to, you know, I want to donate more, they might order 10 boxes of greeting cards and then send them out to their friends. Or they may just keep them all and write a bunch of greeting cards. Think about how... Um, useful whatever it is that you're uh, putting together can be because the more useful it can be you might end up uh, raising more money which is the goal Um, and then 
the other important thing, of course, to remember when you're doing a print fundraiser is that you do need to be charging enough for whatever it is that you're selling that you can both pay for that product itself and then have something meaningful left over to donate. So those of you who know my pricing strategies, I always say that products, um, you know, whether it's an album or a canvas or anything like that, needs to be marked up at least four to five times. So if it costs you $10, it costs them 40 or $50. Um, so that's true across the board for products. But if it's just prints, your markup should be more like 10 times, um, depending on the size of the print. So a print that costs you $5 should not cost, uh, you know, it, that should be something like a $50 donation. Um, and again, it's a donation. This is, it's sort of like when you go to an auction, you're not going to a sale. You're going to spend the same amount of money that you normally would to buy that thing, except that the proceeds are going to a good cause. So. Once you've come up with the format for your fundraiser, um, it is time to get really specific about your details. And I encourage you to do this because when it comes to goals, especially right now, so we're all kind of caught up in the heat of the moment and it's like, I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be great, whatever. And then <sighs> news cycles move on. We all know they will. And so this is going to die down in our sort of um, right in front of our faces, but that does not mean that the problem is going away, right? We need to commit now while that um, energy is high to to putting in the work on in the long term. So, um, so when you set really specific goals, especially when it comes to like, I'm going to raise X amount of money, I don't care how long it takes me, then, um, and you, you know, you, you really commit to that, you're much more likely to achieve it. So I do want you to get really specific about the amount of money that you want to raise. Um, and it that number should make you uncomfortable. It should be something that feels like, oh my God, can I really do that? With that Portraits for Peace um, fundraiser that I did back in 2016, in the beginning of 2017, I, ultimate, I set a goal of $10,000 and I ultimately raised $11,000 and it took me months, <laughs> but I got there and I was able to donate all that money and it felt so good um, to know that I, you know, I couldn't have written a check for that amount of money um, on my own and I was able to because I uh, put the work in. And then um, the next thing you need to do is to call your accountant and you wanna do that before you take any money at all and you need to talk to your accountant about whether it is best for you to actually collect money from people and then distribute that money to the um, charities or causes, or if it's better for um, them to, like your clients to make that donation and somehow give you evidence of that at, instead of you taking the money and handling it that way. And your accountant is the person to talk to. It just, it all depends on your situation and all that sort of thing and what it is that you're selling. Um, and then, because uh, you also don't want to be stuck with like a big tax bill because you did it wrong. Um, and then that gets counted as income for you, even though you turned around and gave it away. And then you also want to set up some sort of system of transparency and accountability so that at no point can it be called into question that you actually took that money and donated it. Okay, so you have picked a, an organization that you're going to raise money for. 
You have picked a way that you're going to raise money for that organization. You have set a monetary goal. You have um, figured out the, the tax specifics on it and you are going to be really transparent about donating that money. You are more or less ready to go. And then what you need to do is you need to send out emails, you need to post on social, and you need to keep doing that until you've hit your goal. And your goal is going to be hard. And emailing people over and over, especially once this gets quiet again, it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel scary. You might lose some followers because of it. And I want you to recognize that this version of hard and scary and alienated is absolutely nothing against the cause that you're raising money against. And that makes it all worthwhile. So that's enough for me today. Stay safe out there, you guys. And and don't forget to wash your hands.